Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Well, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have to tell any one of you that we are down to the final hours before Election Day, which we've now come to call uh, the final day that you can cast a ballot uh, for uh, uh, in the races that are uh, on the Georgia ballot tomorrow. Um, we've had an extraordinary year here at uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting and Political Rewind um, watching the election unfold, and we are all set for a big, really week ahead this week. Let me just quickly, before I introduce the panel, give you a program note. Um, tomorrow night on GPB Radio statewide, election coverage will begin at 7 o'clock. We will carry NPR's election coverage. During the 7 o'clock and the 8 o'clock hours, I'll be anchoring uh, local cut-ins uh, to give you the latest on what's happening in Georgia races, the two big Senate races, congressional races, legislative races. Uh, at 8 o'clock, I'll be joined by Amy Steigerwald, uh, professor of political science from Georgia State University. And throughout the first couple of hours, we'll also be talking with uh, uh, GPB reporters and AJC reporters out in the field. Um, then, depending on how things look in terms of the national race and how local races are unfolding, uh, starting at about 9 o'clock or so, we'll begin to uh, have longer chunks of time in which we'll have some of our uh, top political insiders uh, on the air with me uh, analyzing what they're seeing so far. At 10 o'clock, Jim Galloway, the AJC's lead political writer, will be joining me along with um, Eric Tannenblatt, the Republican uh, political uh, power player in Georgia. Uh, Amy Steigerwald will be with us as well, and so will Mayor uh, Deanna Holliday Ingram from uh, East Point. And we'll be adding people as the evening goes along and hope to stay with you uh, throughout the evening for the election results. So a big night tomorrow night, and I hope you'll find time to join us for part of it. All right, let's get right to our panel. Uh, I already mentioned Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the paper. And of course, uh, he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. Jim Galloway, this is it, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for all of this anxiety to leave my body. Uh, it's, but, but I think that's not, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sure that it's going to happen to, uh, until maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, who knows? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see Brad Raffensperger in a news conference late last week said he hopes to have most of the Georgia ballots counted by, uh, sometime on November 4th at the latest, which would be an accelerated pace uh, compared to some of the other states around the country. Uh, but we'll see how uh, that unfolds. Uh, we're also joined today by um, uh, two mayors of Georgia. Hardy Davis is the mayor of Augusta. He is um, a, a mayor with a lot of national credentials. He um, uh, was the, la the first, the founding uh, the founder of the National Association of Black Mayors, 
and um, also serves as director at large for the Georgia Municipal Association. He's on the executive committee of the United States Conference of Mayors. So uh, Hardy Davis is a man who people know around uh, the United States. Mayor Davis, thank you so much for being with us today. Bill, it's always great to be with you and uh, the team. Uh, I'm excited to be with my good friend, uh, Julie. Uh, we both serve on the uh, GMA uh, board and the executive committee, and uh, it's always good to see uh, my longtime friend from the state capitol, Jim Galloway. Back in the and days when you were a legislator. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Julie Smith, who is the mayor of Tifton. Uh, mayor Smith, I think I'm right to say you were the first female mayor of Tifton when you were first elected <laughs> yeah. to that position. Do I have that right? You have that absolutely correct. And you are. Um, and go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm really excited to be here with all of you this morning. What a what a great time to be a Georgian! And uh, the day before the election, wow! You can you could you could cut the tension with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> you sure can. Uh, we are also joined by Julianne Thompson. Uh, Julianne, as many of you who listen to the show regularly know, is uh, has been a leader in the state Republican Party for a long time. And uh, today, Julianne, we're particularly interested in having you here uh, because you're up there in Gwinnett County, which is one of the counties that people are going to be paying such close attention to uh, as returns start coming in. You've got a big 7th District race, um, among uh, uh, many other things going on. How are you doing, Julianne, on the day before the election? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, things are very exciting here in Gwinnett County. Um, the 7th District is is a hotly contested uh, open race, and we're just really excited to see how things turn out tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, by the way, uh, as we start our conversation, let me just tell the panel and uh, Amelia and Sam, uh, I've lost my ability to uh, watch everybody on WebEx, so... Uh, We'll just do the show as best we can, uh, but I will not see all of you as we go forward, which means if I interrupt you, I, I really don't mean to be doing that, so I apologize in advance. All right, Jim Galloway, um, before we start talking about what we think is going to happen starting tomorrow, let's look at the end of early voting. 3.9 million Georgians are very close to, to that number, already voted either by absentee ballot or uh, in-person early voting, which amounts to 51% of registered voters already. Uh, Jim, in 2018, the percentage of registered voters that turned out in Georgia was 55%. So there's no question that by the end of uh, voting tomorrow, we will eclipse that number. Pretty staggering, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 we're we're just missing the total number of votes cast in the 2016. Uh, race that was four four point one million, so three point nine million have already voted. That's just it's it's an incredible number, and 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 from what we're seeing, uh, well, what we saw this weekend with with uh, uh, Kamala Harris here, with with uh, the President Trump here, and with Barack Obama here uh, later today. I mean, the 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 thought is that that we're, we're, we have not scrounged up every vote yet. Everybody, th this is just an incredible uh, uh, driving to the poll efforts on, on both parties' parts. It, it's just, it, it really is fascinating yeah. and, and something we've never seen before. 
Yeah, that's really amazing. As a matter of fact, uh, Mayor Smith down in Tift County, uh, I think the total number of early voters and absentee voters reached 89% or 88% of uh, 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 more people than had voted in 2016. Uh, those are staggering numbers as well, Mayor. And we should point out, as I, as I ask you about this, that in 2016, in Tift County, 68% of the vote went to President Trump. Mayor Smith? That's correct. And it, like I said, when I was uh, when we were all being introduced, it's just an amazing time in Georgia. And um, to have this excitement, is, it's really thrilling to see. You know, so many times we, we see voter apathy. People think their vote doesn't count. But what's amazing is that everybody that I've spoken with, everyone that I've seen, they know their individual vote counts in this election. And so it's very exciting to see. And it's exciting to know that Georgia is going to be the state possibly that really makes this significant difference in this election. So as we are here the day before the election, um, our numbers are just staggering. And, and like, uh, like Mr. Galloway said, it's just amazing to watch. And it's exciting to see young people engaged in the political process. Uh, even behind the scenes, our poll workers, when I went and voted early the other day, there were poll workers that were very young that I've never really seen involved in the political process, but they're excited and they're there regardless of which party they affiliate with. They feel they're going to be able to make a difference, and, and that's great to see. Mayor Davis, you too have had something like 89% higher turnout than in 2016. And of course, Richmond County uh, went overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton in 2016. So you would expect a big uh, Democratic turnout in, in your city and your county, yes? Yeah, I, I think without question, uh, Bill, uh, we're going to see uh, incredible turnout. Uh, I'm very pleased when I look at the numbers today. Uh, again, 88% higher than 2016, uh, without question. People are uh, highly energized and activated as it relates to the 2020 uh, vote. You've got a number of things that are on the ballot, I think, across this country and certainly here in Georgia. Uh, you've got health care that's on the ballot. Uh, you've got social justice and race on the ballot. These are things that have brought people out in record numbers across the entire state of Georgia. Uh, people want to know that not only are their voices being heard, but they've had a chance to weigh in on issues of importance for them. Uh, historically, we've talked about kitchen table issues, but now you're talking about social issues. You're talking about issues that move people and their families uh, in ways that we've never had before in this country. And we certainly see Georgia being at the front of that uh, with the uh, president having been here a number of times, his sons having been here, and without question, uh, our uh, number one team with President Obama coming into town and, of course, uh, vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris and the entire team of people who are showing up in the great state of Georgia. Julianne, uh, in Gwinnett County, turnout has exceeded. A it was 106 percent higher already than 2016. And what's fascinating, of course, about your county is the composition of the voter has changed so dramatically in recent years. It really has become a bluer and bluer county, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch returns coming in from Gwinnett tomorrow night. It, it's extremely exciting, um, and it is unprecedented in the state of Georgia. And 
I want to echo what everyone else said. I am so extremely proud, no matter which side of the aisle that you're on, I am so extremely proud of Georgians that are that have become so active when it comes to doing their civic duty and voting. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that Georgia is no longer a flyover state. You know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, whether it is President Obama and Vice President or Vice President Biden and, you know, Kamala Harris, or whether it's President Trump, who has done multiple rallies in the state of Georgia this election season. It's been extremely exciting to watch. Um, Talking about Gwinnett County, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is since the 2018 election, we've had 150,000 new registered voters in Gwinnett County. Um, so, so the county is growing rapidly, and that is resulting in a higher turnout, as well as, as the fact that there is so much enthusiasm and momentum this election, whether it is momentum and excitement to reelect President Trump or whether it is excitement and momentum. Um, you know, it, there, there's also an anti-Trump momentum on the Democratic side. So, you're seeing so much momentum across the state of Georgia, and it, it, it really is exciting to watch. It's Christmas Eve for political geeks like myself. <laughs> Jim, you know, I think a lot of Georgians must be wondering how the heck we got dates to be at the prom this year uh, with uh, Kamala Harris in town uh, yesterday, uh, with uh, uh, former President Obama coming in this afternoon um, Joe Biden last week. I mean, it is I, I, you've got to wonder if in some ways Georgia is the next Virginia, a state that did the same kind of flip uh, from Republican to Democratic control. And, and if we're seeing that start to unfold here. Right, right. Like Virginia, may, uh, maybe leaping ahead of North Carolina, which is, has been uh, pretty much on the same parallel track with us politically. You know, it's interesting. There's a, there's a really interesting uh, line in a Politico story today about uh, how, how Democrats have measured uh, 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 Georgia's, uh, Georgia's uh, play in the, in, in the presidential contest. And basically, uh, uh, they're saying we've moved from Doug to Obama. You have first, first, yeah. first. We saw Doug Emhoff, uh, uh, Kamala Harris's husband. Then you saw Jill Biden. Then you saw Kamala herself. Then you had Joe Biden, and now we are finally this afternoon noon, moving to the full Obama stage. So it's it's yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it, um, it's 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 kind of it's uh, it, it is surreal. Yeah. I don't even think I said when I mentioned the people in town that uh, President Trump, of course, was here last night. We're going to hear a little bit of what he had to say uh, uh, when he was in Rome last night. Mayor Davis, let me bring you into this because Jim Galloway quotes this story from Politico. And one of the things Politico does, and I think it's absolutely correct, and you'll comment on this, is Stacey Abrams gets an enormous amount of credit, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, to watch how she has mobilized uh, voters with her organizations, along with Lauren Grow uh, Wargo, who was her uh, uh, chief advisor. Um, and here's what uh, she told, Stacey Abrams told Politico in an article about her. She says, back in 2019, I met with every major candidate who was running for president, and I had two messages. 
One, voter suppression is real, and it's one of the reasons we lost across the country. But two, Georgia's a competitive state, and it would be malpractice not to pay attention. Luckily, both of those messages broke through. And so what's interesting about that, Mayor Davis, is there were a great many Democrats who were very disappointed when Abrams decided not to seek the Senate seat. But if Georgia has a chance to turn blue in this election, it is in many ways the fact that Stacey Abrams didn't seek that seat and instead built her organization and uh, put us in a position where we are today. Would you agree with that? Well, I think without question, uh, Bill, Stacey certainly played a role uh, on the national stage in terms of uh, leveraging uh, her uh, credibility with uh, the DS. C, Triple C, and our candidates are in Congress as well. Uh, but more than anything, I think this is really uh, what makes Stacey tick. Uh, she likes being in the war room uh, and engaging uh, in the broader conversations about how do we turn Georgia uh, blue, and you see the evidence of that. I think that bodes well, particularly when you look at some of the down-ballot candidates who have an opportunity to actually uh, get momentum and have people come out and support their uh, candidacy. And so when you look at the fact that she passed on the Senate race, I think that was more tactical than anything. Uh, again, 2022 is still around the corner, and that's going to be on the ballot again as well. Uh, but that really, again, uh, in terms of building uh, the grassroots organization, when you look at the Senate race, the special election Senate race, uh, that race in and of itself will determine the strength of that work that's been put in place, uh, not only by Stacey, but by the Georgia Democratic Party. I think when you look at the Georgia Democratic Party, you have to look at how that as an organization has changed over the last five to six years. Uh, and that's important. Uh, we see our uh, party as one that certainly is progressive, but more importantly, one that wants to bring more candidates from, from all walks of life into the conversation. And you, you see the reality of that now uh, and I think that's why so many people are high on Georgia. I like that term competitive. Georgia's in the competitive column. Uh, one of the things that I'm still looking for uh, is that even on the other side of the special election runoff is more uh, money being spent uh, in Georgia. Uh, and that was one of the things that I think has, in fact, been lacking. But this is incredible just to see where we are right now with the record voter turnout, uh, almost 4 million Georgians. When you look at the fact that there are 7 million registered Georgia voters in this great state, and you've had almost 4 million of them who've already gone to the polls, whether that be by mail-in ballot, which is safe and secure, or whether you have them going directly to the polls at the early voting site. So this is exciting, uh, and it certainly bodes well uh, in the days ahead. So, uh, Julianne and Mayor Smith, I want to be careful here. While Democrats can be proud of the fact that Stacey Abrams and her organizations have helped mobilize voters, have also set a progressive path, uh, building a, a coalition that that gives Democrats uh, more strength than they've had in the past. Let's be clear: President Trump has an enormous opportunity still to win this state. Uh, all you had to do was look at the rally he held in Rome last night, with the crowd size out there, the enthusiasm people were showing. Uh, let's listen to just a little bit of the sound of President Trump up there in Rome, and then I'll ask uh, you all to talk about it. Hello, Georgia. Hello, Georgia. 
Two days, can you believe it? Two days from now, we're going to win this state again. And we're going to win four more great years in the White House. We have done a lot, and we've done a lot together. It's been a great relationship with Georgia. Thank you very much. With your vote, we will continue to cut your taxes, cut regulations, support our police, support our great military, protect your Second Amendment, which is under siege, defend religious liberty, and ensure more products are proudly stamped with that beautiful phrase, made in the USA, and that's happening. All right, Julianne, just some of uh, President Trump's uh, talking points uh, at rallies around the country. One thing you've got to say, Julianne, about President Trump, you, there, there are many people out there who do not like this man at all and are eager for him to lose this election. But you have got to say he is indefatigable. He has been in five and six rallies in different states a day uh, trying to drum up support, turn voters out at the polls. And again, you may not want him to win uh, out there, but you've got to say he is certainly energized in this race, Julianne. Well, he has extraordinary energy, and he is he, he is an extraordinary <laughs> campaigner. There's absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, and I think that, that one thing... Um, one thing that you have to remember about Trump rallies, and I have been to Trump rallies before, the the excitement that is there is unprecedented when it comes to any other political rally that you can ever attend. And you can ask that of, of a reporter, um, a nonpartisan reporter, or just a regular voter. It, it is extraordinary. Um, and I think that he understands that his path to victory in Georgia is, of course, Election Day voters because Republicans tend to vote on Election Day. Now, we've had a lot of voters that have voted early this, this election season, I believe around 40 percent, um, if, if my memory serves me correctly. But Republicans are, by and large, Election Day voters. They enjoy the excitement of that. So he is counting on those voters, and he understands the importance of those. And he's counting on rural Georgia, which is why he went to Rome. So I think he understands his path to victory in Georgia lies in rural Georgia and Election Day voters. So Mayor Smith, uh, Julianne Thompson just talked about rural voters. You are surrounded by them uh, down there in uh, Tifton. Uh, Do you imagine that the talking points we just heard the president make, plus many of the other things he's saying, continue to resonate with the rural Georgians who surround you down in Tifton? There's no question. We've been, you know, uh, rural Georgia has been the red part of the state for a long, long time, and I don't necessarily see that changing in this election. Uh, President Trump is the ultimate salesman. He is he is an amazing salesperson. He believes in himself, and, and that's very contagious to his supporters. And um, I think, you know, those that support Trump do so wholeheartedly. The man can do no wrong. And um, it, it, it's kind of interesting to watch. And in Little Tifton, Georgia, in the rural part of South Georgia, we've had several of the Senate candidates come and visit. Normally, we're, you know, we're, we're not that important in the grand scheme of the state. So to have, uh, to have rural Georgia at the forefront with candidates coming to our community, meeting with our citizens and hearing what we have to say, you know, agriculture is, is, is everything to us. And so those candidates pay close attention to that. So, um, 
So I, I think that uh, I think we'll I think rural Georgia will continue to support uh, President Trump uh, as we as we've done in the past from a Republican standpoint. Let me yeah, chime and- in on this bill, uh, if I may, Jim. You know, uh, I think everything that Julianne and Julie have said is accurate. Uh, I was you know I was just thinking about it. Uh, President Trump is the uh, consummate showman, and so when you look at that, it certainly energizes his base. But I want to I want to I want to candidly say this: that the issues that Julianne talked about, they're not native to Republicans. Uh, when you look at uh, African Americans, uh, we value the Second Amendment as well. Uh, we want to make sure that we have the opportunity to carry our guns. Uh, we hunt, we fish, uh, we do all of those things. And so when you look at the fact that uh, historically, Republicans, they are Election Day voters, uh, members of the black and brown community, African-American community. We are Election Day voters as well. We see numbers that are just phenomenal right now in terms of early voting. But we are Election Day voters because of historic suspicions about ballots and, you know, this whole process. So you're going to see uh, African-Americans in the great state of Georgia come in, come out in record numbers on tomorrow. And, you know, it's almost like a... Uh, track race, uh, who's going to not just get to the finish line first, but more importantly, who's going to bring more of their friends to the finish line with them. And so this is going to be a phenomenal turnout uh, that we will look back on in the history of Georgia, that the issues uh, of our day, uh, they were neither Republican nor Democrat nor black or white. Uh, But I go back to this statement. These are issues that reverberate around the soul of our nation and the things that all of us, when you look at our values, we grew up on uh, being uh, good stewards of our environmental resources. We've been our kind, our neighbors. Those things are front and center, and I think that's what the heartbeat of this election is going to be about. Uh, Bill, if I could get us back to 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 what, what Julianne was talking about, and 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 Mayor Smith on 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 the Trump rally. It was a. Uh, uh, I, I I was fortunate. I was able to watch it from my living room. Which sometimes gives you a a, a, a more interesting perspective, uh, and 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 it, to me it, and I and I've been to several Trump rallies, and 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 what I find uh, really stunning about them, and and we don't really talk enough about how he has changed, how how his campaign is different from any other politician that most of us have covered, is is that he does not share the stage, he is always the sole focus. Of of his of of his of 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 his uh, his rallies, and it's kind of it's it really shows you the the kind of the investment that the Republican Party has made in a single individual, and and it really it it was really brought home last uh, last night when he was when he was uh, giving shout outs. To all the all the Georgia Republicans who are who are up for uh, up for uh, election, I mean, you know, he, he was balanced between Doug Collins and Kelly Loeffler. Uh, he gave a shout out to Do, uh, David Perdue, who was there, and Karen Handel, who was there. But they were only shout outs. You know, in a normal campaign, in a normal campaign, if you if you have a presidential candidate there, you want you want him on your stage with you. Uh, uh, so, so you can get the so you can get the eyeballs uh, that show you with your candidate that you're supporting, supporting, and 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 that helps your down ballot d- uh, dynamics. 
And, and we, we just don't see that with Trump. And, it, it, you know, if you're, a Republican, that's, if you're a Republican, that's something that you have to worry about. Yeah, uh, that's a great point uh, to make, Jim. Uh, not only do we only see Trump on stage in his rallies uh, when there are, are other elected Republicans or, or candidates for uh, Republican candidates for office who are in the crowd but not allowed to come up and be with him. He doesn't have surrogates out campaigning for him in states around the country the way uh, Democrats do. So you are completely correct. It is the Trump show or it is uh, nothing at all. Um, we got to get to a break. Uh, And we'll do that right now and come back with a lot more to talk about on the final pre-election day show of Political Rewind. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Tifton Mayor Julie Smith, Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis, Republican uh, strategist Julianne Thompson from Gwinnett County, Jim Galloway with us on this final a pre-election day show of Political Rewind. Mayor Smith, let me start with you, if I may. If um, you, you've already told us that the rural vote uh, in your community uh, is going to uh, hold steady for Donald Trump, uh, but if Joe Biden is able to win Georgia, if Joe Biden is able to win the White House, would you do you imagine what we'll be saying in the aftermath is that despite all the other issues, this turned out to be the COVID-19 election. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, I absolutely think that that is the, the, the major impetus for all of this. Um, you know, there's been no unified message for our country. There's not even been really a unified message in our state, and that's been challenging as elected officials to deal with. Um, we have incredible experts that we have access to, and yet Sometimes the advice is taken, sometimes it's not. So that's been very frustrating as our citizens look to us on how we want to, um, how we need to lead the community so that we're all safe and, uh, and that we have the, the least impact of this horrible uh, COVID situation that we're in. But, um, you know, COVID has affected everything from the economy to jobs creation. Uh, the last time I was on the show, we talked about, you know, our, our small business being the backbone of the community and how COVID has impacted that. And uh, we're, we're just we're all looking for that unified message that will lead this country out of this terrible situation. Um, and I don't know that we've had that. So that's been very frustrating. So, yes, COVID is, is absolutely at the uh, at the top of the list with regard to, I think, what's driving a lot of this um, this interaction with the voters. Mayor Davis, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. I, I would agree with uh, Mayor Smith has indicated uh, when you look at. Uh, what has happened from the top down, uh, and, and I'll pointedly say this, mayors have led in terms of trying to provide for the health, welfare, and safety of our citizens, especially here in the great state of Georgia. I know Mayor Smith has been front and center with that issue, along with the rest of our team at GMA and mayors across the state. Uh, but without question, as I said earlier, uh, health care is on the ballot. When you look at the lack of leadership, especially coordinated leadership, 
that we needed from the top down, from the federal government all the way through the states, so that there was a unified message. I think a very telling and pointed example of that is uh, the what I call uh, the mixed messaging that came out uh, this week as it relates to uh, being able to go to the polls if you were quarantined and are in isolation. When you provide that type of mixed messaging to people who were just a week ago, you know, I've got Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, uh, the number one college football team in the country, can't play in football game because he's quarantining. Uh, and now here it is, I can go to the polls on Tuesday and vote. That right there sends a very defining message to the people of the state of Georgia, the people of America, that, you know, we're, sure, we're not sure what in the hell we're doing, which is not good. And so uh, when that trickles down to the voter, that's where we as leaders, particularly local leaders, where, you know, the rubber meets the road at, when we're trying to give clear guidance to our citizens, they are expecting trusted voices like ours to say, wear a mask, wash your hands, and watch your distance. But when you get mixed messaging from whether it's state or federal leadership that says, oh, it's okay, just go out, it's very difficult. That's what's on the ballot. Healthcare is on the ballot. And that's why you see people coming out in record numbers. They've lost loved ones to COVID-19. They've lost work. They've lost coworkers. They've lost friends. They've lost neighbors to COVID-19. And that is what's on the ballot, has been on the ballot during early voting. And then what I question, it will be on the ballot tomorrow from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. all across the state of Georgia. uh, Julianne Thompson, if this is the COVID-19 election here in Georgia and elsewhere, uh, it, I don't th- it's not a major factor, but it certainly doesn't help that the governor of the state, the Republican governor of the state, who's been criticized for whether he did enough early on to control the virus here, uh, finds himself in a position of having to quarantine because he was exposed to the virus when he was at a rally. It was largely maskless, I believe, with Drew Ferguson, Representative Ferguson, who uh, uh, tested positive. But yes, Mayor Davis makes an interesting point. CDC now says that people who are positive for COVID-19 can go to the polls tomorrow as long as they socially distance and wear masks. Um, So talk about that in general. Well, first of all, let me say that I am very happy that the governor and the first lady are feeling well. And I am happy that uh, Drew Ferguson is on the mend, Congressman Ferguson. So my my well wishes and prayers go out to them for their for Drew Ferguson's speedy recovery and for the health of our first lady and our governor. Um, so, getting back to what the mayor said about the uh, the CDC guidelines that say that you can now go to the polls if you're quarantined or if you have COVID nineteen as long as you wear a mask. I, I'm going to agree that that does send a very strange message. It's a mixed message that I myself, when I read it, I, I didn't understand. I, I'm not blaming that on any specific elected leader. That came from the CDC. Um, and I think it's just it's very strange and it's very confusing. Like the mayor said, Trevor Lawrence couldn't play football this weekend. Um, you, you know, last night, the, the governor did not go to the Trump rally because he was under quarantine. Um, and, and it is, it is difficult to understand. I, I'm not going to deny that fact. And, um, 
And it's going to come up later on when people are quarantined and they're forbidden from doing certain things. They're going to wonder why they were permitted to vote with COVID-19 as long as they had a mask on, but they're not permitted. Uh, I can tell you at one time um, this semester, my son was quarantined and had to do remote learning Mm -hmm. because he was within six feet of someone in his class that tested positive for COVID-19. So it is very confusing. Yeah, Jim? you know it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, specifically for 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 the governor and and his wife, whom we we, we hope uh, uh, get out of this without showing any symptoms or 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 being diagnosed. So far, they've uh, so far as we know, they've t- they've tested negative so far. Uh, I mean, this is it's one of those those this is one of those problems where you could solve it simply by walking an absentee ballot over, and then taking it back. So on an individual level, I mean, I, uh, you know, I hope, I hope this policy change wasn't, wasn't inspired by, by, by one single person. Uh, I mean, and the CDC guidelines basically say, yes, you can go vote, but what you need to do is you need to, as soon as you walk up to the poll, you need to inform a poll worker that this is what you have. And, and, uh, you know, there was some there was some planning uh, being done back in the spring on what what would happen if if this does happen, and basically each mm-hmm. polling station was to have a a sequestered machine somewhere set up so that person could uh, could vote safely and then it could be uh, disinfected uh, in, in a separate part of the polling place far away from everybody else. I'm I'm not sure that that's being done. Jim, I think you said it right. Mayor Smith, Mayor Davis, Mayor Davis again, and that's uh, it's easy enough for again uh, anyone to walk an absentee ballot over, put it in a drop box uh, at a location. That that right there is prudent. Uh, it 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 takes into account other people's health. I mean, God forbid we take this misguided guy, uh, message here. And you've got lines. I mean, I'm in Augusta, 165, 165 miles away from Atlanta, and I've seen the lines in early voting. I'm sure Julianne has got lines in Gwinnett County that match anything in Fulton County. And we've had our fair share of long lines where people have waited for two hours. And to suggest that someone's going to wear a mask and socially distance in the lines that we're seeing, absolutely not going to happen. We need to make sure we take care of Georgia. Mayor's- and. And that needs to be done now. Mayor Smith, they're not on the ballot. But if there's one organization that has lost in this election cycle, it is the Centers for Disease Control. And this guidance about going to the polls with a positive diagnosis of COVID is going to weigh into that mix as to how trustworthy uh, what has been the most acclaimed, highly esteemed global health organization for decades. Mayor Smith? Absolutely. It's the most confusing message I think I've ever heard. And and, uh, like Julianne mentioned a few minutes ago, we all heard that and just kind of scratched our heads. None of us are medical professionals, but my goodness, this, um, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, and, And I don't know where that came from. And like you, I hope that that instruction is not based on um, any one particular person. But um, again, it just, of course, it's too late at this point, but it just goes to, you know, that early voting is just so important. And we've had so much opportunity 
Um, but like uh, like Mr. Galloway said, to just you know be able to walk your walk your absentee ballot in and, and drop that off and get the heck out of Dodge. Fortunately, you know our lines in South Georgia and Tifton, you know we're a relatively small community of about sixteen seventeen thousand. So so for us to wait twenty minutes in line is <laughs> that kind of challenges our patients. So, uh, but I've seen on the news and more the metropolitan areas in the Atlanta area. Uh, these tremendous wait times um, for these lines. And, and like Mayor Davis said, how, how do you, and Tuesday it's going to be worse because we all know, you know, so many people do like to wait till election day. It's kind of a festival atmosphere, kind of like, uh, you know, you're excited, you're jazzed up, you want to see your friends in line and, and talk to people and be part of that excitement. So does Tuesday become a super spreader event? Um, you know, God forbid, and, and like Juliana, um, you know, sends, you know, prayers and, and well wishes and good thoughts to our governor and the first lady and, and all of the Georgians who've had to deal with this horrible uh, disease. You know, we hope that, that, uh, that they recover and, and get back to normal life. But um, I, I don't see how you can send that mixed message. You know, thankfully, like you said, the CDC is not on the ballot. I, I think we, I know how we, most of us would vote if they were, but uh, but but that's that 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 message that I was saying <laughs> a minute ago. It's just that lack of unified unified message, and uh, and it's coming you know now from the CDC. So it's it's a little bit crazy to me. Uh, before we get to our final break of the show, we played President Trump uh, in Rome a little bit earlier. And to, to be fair and to give the Democrats a chance as well, uh, Kamala Harris, and yes, that is how we pronounce her name, Kamala. Um, Republicans out there, many of them have taken to uh, use, mispronouncing the name. It feels intentional in some cases and others. I, I accept the fact that maybe it's not, but it is Kamala Harris. Uh, let's listen to what she had to say when she talked to a crowd in Decatur, Georgia, yesterday. I mean, look at where we are, Georgia. Look at where we are and where you have been and what you have been doing. Organizing and mobilizing and getting folks registered to vote. You all are going to decide who's going to be the next president of the United States. You are. And so I am back in Georgia to thank you for all you've been doing these years and these months and these weeks and these days. Look at the kind of turnout we've already seen in terms of early voting. And I just wanted to come back to remind us that we still have a ways to go. Kamala Harris in Decatur, Georgia, yesterday. As I said earlier, when did Georgia ever expect to get a date for this prom, the 2020 uh, presidential elections. We're going to take a break and come back. I want to get the panel to weigh in a little bit on these extraordinary Senate races that are unfolding in Georgia as well. We'll do that in a moment. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Political Rewind. Another quick program note for you. Uh, Almost all of you out there now know that uh, Political Rewind uh, is broadcast live at 9 o'clock on weekday mornings, and then we rebroadcast the show at 2 for people who can't hear it uh, live. Uh, Tomorrow and Wednesday, because of the volatility of what's unfolding in Georgia, we're going to do both of our shows 
live. So we will be live at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. We will be live again at 2 tomorrow afternoon. The hope is that we'll be able to keep you up to speed in what's happening at polling places across the state. And Wednesday, of course, with votes continuing to come in throughout the day, we want to be there live for you both at 9 and 2. Um, and I hope you'll join us for both of those shows. Jim Galloway, um, there was a time six or seven months ago, and you've talked about this on the show, when Senator David Perdue polled better in terms of approval ratings than uh, the governor and the president. That is no longer the case, and he is in a virtual tie with John Ossoff. It's really an extraordinary development in that race, which at one point, uh, uh, Cook Report, uh, and uh, others that progno- do prognostications thought would go to a Democrat to the Republican Purdue fairly easily. That's not the case now. No, no, he was he was trying to make himself more appealing to these all important uh, suburban women voters uh, by emphasi- emphasizing uh, uh, issues like uh, education uh, and by by. Uh, v- very going very deep into touting uh, uh, COVID uh, preparations, and 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 you're right. I mean, he has he, he in January he was he was he was probably I think if I'm not mistaken in a, in a January AJC poll he was he was kind of the he, he was the strongest Republican uh, on a sta- on a statewide ballot, and now he is he is he has been so tied tied so closely with Trump. Uh, that you you've seen that, that that David Purdue kind of disappear and and right now he is going uh, his his advertising has has turned very very hard uh, uh, in in terms of attacks on on John Ossoff and uh, you know I, look I I think his appearance at a, at a Donald Trump rally uh, underlines that he can't afford not to be seen at a Donald Trump rally. Uh, that's one thing that did strike me about uh, Karen Handel as well. She's she she has to have uh, get some of those Republican uh, suburban women back um, on on her side, and she she too was at that Trump rally, and that's Juli- I, I'm not sure that that's uh, that's going to help her. Julianne, weigh in. Um, well, first of all, I I do think that Purdue can win this. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to go to a runoff, but it, I think that it all comes down to the Shane Hazel factor. Um, the, the What libertarians have been able to do this election cycle with the way that they're handicapping races is, is pretty unprecedented in Georgia. Shane Hazel is carrying around two and a half, between two and a half and three percent of the statewide vote, but the majority of that vote that he is carrying is male and the male libertarian vote if there is a runoff will go to david purdue it's not going to go to john ossoff so i do think i i, I would handicap that race slightly in favor of david purdue and i do think that he can win it but it remains to be seen if it's going to be a runoff or not Mayor Davis, uh, it, 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 John Ossoff has matured as a candidate in this race far beyond what he was when he ran in that special election against uh, Karen Handel, which, of course, he lost. And in I'm not sure how much attention voters have paid to the two debates that they had, uh, uh, Ossoff and Purdue, but certainly they're watching the commercials. But in the debates, 
Ossoff took it to uh, Purdue in an extraordinarily strong way, and it, it could possibly be one reason he's come on the way he has. Yeah, I think without question, uh, John Ossoff has uh, displayed a great deal of not only maturity, but more importantly, uh, thoughtfulness in terms of uh, how he is running this race. Uh, he, without question, has been able to raise uh, significant amounts of money, which has played well to uh, his candidacy. And I think at the same time, uh, Senator Perdue, uh, in aligning himself with President Trump, uh, really, I think that was a key misstep. Uh, one of the things that he's had uh, to be able to use as an advantage is that he's played himself as an outsider, uh, but now he clearly has aligned himself with President Trump in a way that people in Georgia, uh, and especially in this year's election, find offensive. Uh, Senator Perdue could, uh, once again, and Purdue's are very tough to beat in Georgia. I think that's the thing that all of us knows, they're very tough to beat in Georgia, and that still holds true. Uh, so this, this likely can go to a runoff, and um, if that happens, uh, I see Ossoff as a front-runner in that race, which is Interesting. Mayor Smith, to, go, to, to carry, I apologize, Mayor Davis, to, uh, to continue the prom metaphor, Mayor Smith, you got to dance with the one who brung you, and uh, that's what David Perdue has had to do with Donald Trump, even though the dynamic of the general election race between him and Ossoff is much different than Kelly Leffler and Doug Collins, who have got to move as far to the right as possible, yes? That's, that's correct. You know, I just, looking back over, over time, you know, hindsight is so clear, it's crystal clear. But looking back, I just don't see, I don't think that the Republican Party saw this wave across this country of the Democratic Party uniting and getting their people registered to vote and voting. Um, and so that alignment with Trump made perfect sense early on. Uh, that was, you know, that seemed like a way that, that was never going to, to, you know, to break and, and it was just going to continue to build. But, um, but you know, Purdue is, he's going to be tough to beat. And um, I do think the, uh, a lot of people are paying attention to the commercials, the, the, the casting of um, did, did he profit from COVID? You know, he, he was cleared of that, but it's just creating that shadow of doubt that uh, I think have brought the Ossoff supporters out. And, um, you know, there could be some of the um, anti-incumbent sentiment that's, that's affecting this. So, you know, people just want change. They don't know. I don't think people could specifically say um, what change it is. We just want change, I think, is what the, uh, you know, what the community and, and the state is saying. So um, it's going to be an interesting race, no question. Julianne, as we run out of time, I do want to take advantage of your knowledge of Gwinnett County. Uh, we don't have a lot of polling of the congressional races up in the northwest and the northeast metro areas. But how do you see the Rich McCormick-Carolyn-Bordeaux race coming down? Carolyn Bordeaux, everybody says, is a likely winner, given that she only lost by 500 votes in 2018. Well, I think that it's neck and neck. Um, I don't think it can be called for Carolyn Bordeaux, um, and I don't think it can be called for McCormick. Do not discount him. He, if there is anybody that can win in an open race like this, it's a candidate like Rich McCormick. He's strong. He's hardworking. He is on the campaign trail constantly, and um, 
and there, and let me just say in closing, I want to give a shout out to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger because I believe his campaign to get out the vote, his bipartisan campaign, has been a lot of what has driven so many people to the polls. Thank you for that. Um, as we finish up, uh, Mayor Hardy Davis, Mayor Julie Smith, Julianne Thompson, and uh, Jim Galloway, with a very short amount of time we have left, Julianne talked about election days being like Christmas Day. Those of us who are so involved in politics often feel that way. I'm not so sure it feels quite that way this year. There's a desperate urgency to this election. You got about 10 seconds to say something about that. <laughs> Hold your breath and let's keep it going. <laughs> All right. We're out of time. We're going to be back tomorrow with two live shows. Uh, in the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear a mask, go get a flu shot. See you all tomorrow.